Most diets allow for a cheat day. Okay, I'm actually not sure if that's true, so let me rephrase. Any diet that I'm on is going to allow for some cheat days. The same can be said for podcasts, especially BeelerCast. Let's just say you find yourself without an interview ready to publish, but you really, really want to keep the momentum going. Well, you declare a cheat day and just grab something laying around. Fortunately for you, it's a webcast I did with Ben Reed some time ago. Ben's the CEO of Elasticity, and we talked about how to be convincing with data. Did we record our discussion with a podcast in mind? Uh, nope. Is it a good discussion? Uh, yep. Ben's super sharp, and I think we recover some really important points for anyone that works with data and needs others to understand what the data is telling you. How about this? Let's start. It's time for BeelerCast. So everyone, thanks for showing up. My name is Rob Beeler. I'm the founder of Beeler.tech, and most you know me for, for Ad Monsters as well. And looking forward to this conversation about how to be convincing with data. My, my guest today is Ben Reed. Ben, why don't you tell everyone a little bit, again, if you know me, you probably know Ben or some of you know Ben, but Ben, I'd love to hear what you're up to and let's set the stage. Yeah, sure. So my company's called Elasticity. We do data projects focused really on the media, media and advertising industries. So we bring together a lot of sort of tech skills on getting stuff done, but a lot of domain on those industries. And that's really my background. People are like, why? Like, uh, <laughs> there's just gobs of money in those industries. Because I've been in media since 95, and that's all I know. And it sounds schmaltzy, but I still care a lot about media. So that's a big part of it. You know, I think one of the things that was interesting when we were talking earlier about kind of even sort of you know, doing something was like, you know, going back to the annoying old guy thing is like, you know, <laughs> wh where things were and where things are and, you know, like what, you know, what's important, what I see today and what you see. And I thought that would be an interesting conversation because in many ways we've, we're very dialed into certain groups uh, right. and other groups were not. And I think you see a broader range of publishers and trends and roles and stuff like that. So and you're, um, you've got that focus in that specific data area. Yeah. Ben and I have been bouncing around some of these ideas around it. And it is interesting to watch the, the difference. And so you'll, you'll, you hear a little bit of that. And at the same time, you know, my thought is this, love to have people interact. I think I've got a couple things maybe to start with. My suggestion would be is throw it in the chat and then I'll throw it to you live, Mike. So I don't, you know, just let me know that you have something to add and whatever. And again, I'm looking at some of the people we have on this call certainly not looking just for questions, but your insights, right? And I think that's probably one of the cool parts about these kind of conversations is the nuance, right? How to be convincing with data and these kind of conversations. You know, there's what I'm always going into these conversations, listening and going like, why, is, why does Ben say it different than I do? And that's where you learn that new idea that sits there and says, hey, maybe I can unlock something here. So I wanted to, to throw out a couple of, of statements. Ben, get your kind of reaction to it. We're all, of course, swimming in data in our, in our roles. And I, you know, again, I'm looking at the group and I know that that varies operations to you know, sales, to, to business and, and, and data and so forth. But all of us in those roles have a unique perspective on that data and on the business, right? And so my first point that I would make is that you know, the, your unique perspective can certainly help others in the organization make critical business decisions, 
So we have to learn how to share those insights, right? So that's some of what we'll talk about. The other part of it, again, depending on your role, is that others in the organization look to you, you know, they're trying to do their jobs better and look to you as a resource for data. And that's the, again, if you're in an operations role, you're the person that everyone asks for a report. And great, awesome to be a resource. And at the same time, what are they asking for? Why are they asking for it? And really your role should not just be to just do that report, but to actually provide insights. And so where that both goes is both from a career trajectory, doing your job better and helping the company, you need to be convincing with data to when people ask you for stuff, you should be convincing with your data. And so I think that that's the the two kind of things that angles that I think we're going to kind of take with this. Ben, any of your, your thoughts off that kind of initial salvo? Yeah. So, I mean, I think the, the first point is especially timely, right? I think for, for a long period of time, you had sort of two camps that were neither right nor wrong, but they were probably artifacts of the time. Camp number one is like, I'm an operations person. I've got my report, you know, either internally or otherwise. I run this report. I run it every week. It's my report. That's it. And you got another group that's, you know, a sort of inductive group, right? Like, I want all the data. The data will speak to me. This data will tell us stuff. Like, let's just play with data. Do you have a mandate? No. Do you have a business problem? No. But I'm playing with data. It'll be great. Hire some more data scientists. And, you know, I think that we're in a place where people aren't being so loosey-goosey with, you know, just hire a room of data scientists and maybe, like, you know, they'll write Shakespeare at the end of it or something like that. And, you know, and I think that people on the front lines are really, really tasked with keeping the the company afloat and competitive. And so there's less of this, like, let's waste a lot of time on sort of these boondoggles or what was boon, boondoggle? What was uh, Rob Deigert's thing? Boondoggle. Oh, oh, his different, his variation on it. His, his boon, boondoggle or something like that. Something like that. <laughs> Anyways, it, was, it was great. But I think, you know, less of, less of that. And I think, you know, the ops folks that I'm working with, are getting hammered with questions in a way that before they're like, you just do your job and do it well. And so, you know, we're into a place where, you know, I think, you know, it's, it's a huge pressure, right? Cause if we came up through ops, our task was really understanding like what the market is trying to accomplish, right? How does the technology work? But now I've got to answer all these other freaking questions and I still have my day job. right? <laughs> so, I mean, let me leave it there. I mean, is that, do you see similar? No, a hundred percent, right? And there's there's a part about even as someone focused on operations, I'm trying to look at the data to do better at what I do, right? Just get that kind of operational excellence and working on that. And yet, probably in the time that we've been talking, I've gotten an email that's asking me, "Do I know what's going on with X?" And X can be what's going to be the impact of IDFA on our business, you know, the changes that Apple is coming up with and Apple News and so forth, to have I ever heard of this particular pixel, right? To can you create a sell-through report so I have a better idea what's going on? And where I'd go on, you know, to take that one further, right? So the sell-through report is one of those easy to ask for, harder to say you're going down the right path with the question, at least in my, my take on that, right? 
because this this idea of just taking something and going like, oh, here's all my demand sources and here's what they are. And there's lots of lines. And so again, I asked someone to, to do that for me and they put together this report and I'm going like, this isn't, this is a report. It checks the box as being a report. Yeah. Now you're making me do a lot of work to figure out what it is. So what was the original question? Right. And that's the part where it just seems to be this kind of, I need the information and that lack of, you know, connection on that discussion that, that really kind of throws things off. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think that, you know, depending on how things are designed, like the real question is, where's is it going? Right. Like first question is, where is it? It's, I mean, they think about a car, right? Like, you know, how, how much gas do we have in the tank? You know, what's, what's our trajectory? You know, we pointed north and, you know, just that, that report that says, well, we're 72% sold out. I don't know. Like, what will we be tomorrow? Like, do we have any kind of insights into that? Do we have any kind of history about that? And so a lot of that relies about going back to people that like have that sort of tribal knowledge. Right. And they can look at that and they can, you know, kind of put out a statement that is probably more right than wrong based on the fact that they've been doing it for a long time. And, you know, it's, I would say there's, there's a spectrum, right? Some people have really invested heavily in that. Some people haven't, but you know, the challenge there is, is, you know, kind of putting out a statement that then sort of proves to be more, more true than not and, and establishing and creating some credibility. Yeah. Well, I think you hit on something in terms of where I, I think, you know, we can start to, and again, looking for other people's reaction on this, right. Which is there's a kind of the amateur data scientist role, or I actually tried to make this a term once long ago, the pseudo quant, right. Because there was a, I, I remember being asked, you know, can you um, hire someone that's like a data scientist to come and do it? And, you know, and I was like, okay, cool. Like, that'd be awesome to to have that person. What kind of, budget do we have for that? And, and knowing it's kind of during the time of Moneyball and going, I know those what they make, right? And so they're going like, you're not going to get a data scientist for 50K. So, and there's going to be a shortage of them. I mean, not that someone's changing, right? Yeah. But the, the pseudo quant concept of going like, well, I have to start to actually work on not just creating reports, but actually being good about it. All right, Mr. Mr. Katz is waving his arms wildly. I didn't know if I had a ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> What's up, Harry? Good to see a bunch of all of you guys. I feel like I'm the roadie behind Ben and Rob, you know, pushing the guitars around. And I've been doing I've been doing this too long, so I'm all gray haired and bald. You know, one of the one of the things that's always interesting about data, right? And and everybody wants reports and reports and reports. And Rob, you were kind of saying it is, you know, the number one thing is what are you gonna do with this data? I can spit out reports all day long, but if you're not gonna do anything actionable with it, what's point part of my French. Number two is, you know, I always make the joke about a data scientist. Like, is that actually a term? Is that like a, is it a certification? Do you take board exams to become a data scientist? Do you get the little white lab coat, right? What does it really mean? The one thing, I mean, and, and what you said before, like one of the best investments a company can make is in data and they often don't, but they still expect to get the, the insight out of it or the reports, right? I want reports every week mm-hmm. you know, is making that argument. Every time I've made an argument to get just, uh, you know, an entry level, lower level type data analyst, the minute I get them on board in two or three months and I get them trained up, every other team tries to steal them. Mm-hmm. It, it's happened to me repeatedly, right? 
And what you want to hire is, yeah, somebody who, and pardon my phrase, because we're all this person, the Excel jockey, right, who can manipulate data, but you really need to hire as a data storyteller, right? That person that, that looks at the data and then can actually say, hey, I found three things in here that might have an actionable thing that we could do with it, right? Great, sell-through report. What's that going to tell you? You're unsold. You know that, right? Any operations person can tell you, hey, we're delivering on all our campaigns. We're undersold. Do you need me to spend two hours working on a report? No, I don't. But it's, it's if you put more people and more thought into that side of things, you're going to get incredible insights out of this stuff. But it's got to be actionable. And it can't just so, be nice to have, you know? I, I completely agree. And I think that's one of the things where it's, it's a qualitative thing where, you know, first of all, if you ask any organization, are they data-driven? Like, 100% of them will say, absolutely. Yes, yeah. <laughs> right? You know, and like, then you say, are you action-oriented? They say, absolutely. But, you know, I think there's one of those things where the devil's in the details and you, you look at the process around both creation and consumption of a lot of reporting and, and there's, there's always room for improvement. We'll put it that way. And, and a lot of that comes from, again, like that sort of like, I had some data, I had a tool, a Tableau or whatever, that, that was able to put it in a pretty format and I presented it to you, right? And I may even titled it, right? And so I've done my job. But, but there's often that sort of like, yes, it's the topic. Yes, it's the data. But is it truly actionable? And, you know, I think that the process around like kind of defining the business problem is kind of just done along the way. And it's one of the things that I would say that we've learned over time is not to be dismissed and... And all things flow from it, right? Once you have a very good articulation of like, you know, what we are trying to change in the business and maybe, maybe if you want to sort of put in the negative, the, the so what of it, right? Like sell through went up, so what? Sell through went down, so what? ECPM's changed, so what? Then sort of like logical extension questions that, that anybody who's like kind of close enough to that part of the business is going to ask, right? So you just anticipate them. And a lot of times that, happens in a meeting i find but it's not there in the thing and so when you're sending something out it requires a meeting or somebody emails back like what about this or you know what's happening here and it's like these are sort of well-worn patterns that that just sort of hang out in sort of a, a parallel realm of the sort of conversational yeah that that don't need to be but again kind of going back to what we talked about before you know a lot of stuff is, is built by folks that came up from a different background and, and we're all doing the best we can. Yeah. Um, I've, I've, I sympathize because I'm coming from that background too. And I've just done this for eight years now. And so I've like, you know, both had clients kick my butt and kick my own butt on sort of thinking through that further, even if it's the same data, even if it's the same sort of output, it's a different design. And that's, let's just, you know, to, to that point, I think there's an aspect that media companies, People in our, in our particular space are not as in, not everyone is able to invest in proper data procedures and structures and infrastructure. And so there's an aspect that depending on your role, you are going to be that pseudo quant, right? You're going to be that person. Mm. So I think that's some of the stuff that I want to start to dive into, right? Is some of what we've done around that role. Again, I, I used to have analytics in my title and I kind of laugh. 
because it's just something like, I, I, you know, I've met some analysts and some data scientists along the way. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a, I'm more the Excel jockey than I am the, the, the person, but I have successfully grown my career by being a good storyteller, by knowing some of those things. Dan um, from AMI, you had, you had something, you waved your arms and I always love your opinions on this stuff. Yeah, I, I just I want to sort of say a lot of what Ben was saying is that hey Ben, um, we we do sort of come to this very much from a, a sort of a you know a, a, an analytics background in the terms of you know we we sort of are asked a question and then we deliver against that question without really stepping back and asking what are the what are the 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 sort of the things that are underpinning that question. And that really is getting to where the storytelling is. The, you know, that, that sell-through, you know, the, the, the follow-up questions of how has this changed in the last six weeks or eight weeks? How is this different than the same time last year? How is this different than, you know, sort of other things? What are the external events that might be influencing this? That Some of that might be in the data. And some of that is sort of not out there just in the ether it's it's in the heads of a salesperson it's in the heads of you know, it's it's in sort of uh, sort of broader research that's out there that you need to to be tapping into and that's where i think this gets really challenging and that's where that that sort of finding that person who can switch hats between the you know the excel jockey or the, the you know the person who can do the quant stuff and then the person who can tell the stories. So, um, so, that, go ahead. Yeah, I, I just want to say that first. You know, that was said beautifully. So, you know, I, I really, I mean, you know, perfectly put. I agree with every every single word of it. I, I would add that, like that. That's where, you know, somebody in your role, you know, adds extraordinary value because there's that that intersection of of thinking through, you know the patterns that they're they're tasked with watching right it's different from a person who's in ad ops who's got you know just get you know keep things moving from a transactional perspective versus somebody who who you know has the perspective of of you know looking at the changes and to be more important being in a position to either sort of quickly hone in on like you know what the drivers are or at least kind of like position in a, in a place where it's going to be a productive conversation, right? Like nobody in the org wants like, Hey, here's a bunch of data. Good luck. Right? Like that, that processing of data and information in a way that especially somebody deep in the organization who understands the strategy and the pressures can deliver on, you know, a, you know that that's, that's where the, the magic happens. That's where progress happens. But, you know, to your to your point, also like you know, I don't know that that always gets the the investment that it needs to. Right, right. I think of it. Well, I, why my thing that I got out of Dan, or at least kicked off the idea and the, the cycle. I think that that applies, and and again, I, I think hopefully is is helpful to people is to think about is, you know, again, there's the the opera. There's that so what kind of question, and there's there's a way to do this that is not you being the no person the asshole who every time someone asks for a report, you're like, so what are you going to do with this? Right? Like there's a, there's a, a skill to establishing within the company that these kind of reports and this kind of 
the, to, to Ben's data-driven point, which I completely agree with. Everyone says they're data-driven, most are not, right? There's almost, there's a way of that politicking of that's involved in this. It's like saying, well, as a data-driven organization, let's just make sure we understand this report is the beginning of this journey. Yep. Meaning, I don't think this report adds any value, <laughs> you know, without saying those words, like it's a dumb request, but I'm going to say, if we do this, can you help me focus on the next piece? Because a sell-through report can be actually quite useful, especially when you're trying to figure out rates and you're trying to figure out positioning of products and so forth. But this report won't get you there. It won't provide that to you, but I need that. I need to get on that journey. And that's like the part of like that internal, yeah. like this is data, you know, being the data person or being that person that's asked to do reports is, is like a muscle, right? It takes stamina. It takes building that skill. And I think you kind of have to share that internally with others that like, yes, I can create a report. I can do a data studio. I can do a tableau. But this alone is not the end product. This isn't getting you what you need. And I think if you can get that level of transparency and that conversation and you politic that right, then there's the, okay, thanks for the report. Let's talk about what you just said. How do I get there? Because that's really getting to the question. Because people yeah. won't know how to ask yeah. the question. Right, Ben? I mean, I'm yeah. sure you hear that. Like, that's the first thing you have to play that role right? Of being the person who goes like, can we just step back for a second? Like, how often do you say that in a daily basis of like, can we just step back? Yeah. Like, what are we trying to answer here? Yeah. And I'm sure it gets tiring. I, I even want to say it right now. Yeah. Well, <laughs> please take a step back from what I was saying that route. <laughs> yeah, even said my own name. You threw me off. What do you think, Ben? So, so, so first of all, I, I want to just, you know, go back to one of the things you were saying before about like, you know, data driven. I think, you know, Everybody's like, we want to be data-driven. I mean, to me, it's like data-driven. What the fuck is that? Like, if anything, you want to be insights-driven, right? Like, we're all drowning in, like, raw data. Nobody fucking cares, right? Like, right. Let, let's let's move up at least a couple notches on that ladder. I think we're also in an interesting place where, in my opinion, not that you asked me, but, like, the sweet spot on all this is we're in an age where there's, you know, like agile analytics we need to move fast we need to iterate so that the sort of all the you know self-serve tools out there the tableaus the lookers of the world but you know there, there's a real risk that you know we're, we're running amok and you know the historical it sort of ownership of that at least gave us sort of you know best practice well-groomed well-lit environments mm-hmm. they may be massively disconnected from the business problems and that's why the business hates them with a passion. Sorry if anybody in here is on the IT side, but you know, no, just fine. If, if you're here, you probably know and, and, and understand that the challenges that it uh, that exist there, right? Is and by the way, IT hates the business too. So it's it's a it's a it's a whatever, right? But it's it's a real challenge. Is is where you can create, you know, the best you can ask for, in my opinion, today is having IT and people understand the power and best application of these these tools that exist today. Creating that environment that's a groomed, high-quality place to explore with enough guardrails that somebody doesn't run really massive risk of coming up with something that is misleading or inaccurate, wasting a shitload of time, 
on and on and on and can move quickly through their business problems and 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 get to that thing and, and foster that conversation without having been you know in IT for many years and learning good database structure, performant queries, right, you right. know, authoritative KPIs and stuff like that. Especially as AdOps gets pulled more and more into this realm, you're like, guess what, AdOps? I got your Tableau license. <laughs> what the fuck should I do now? Right? Thank you. Like, right. Right. Yeah. Now do now all my reports quicker because I gave you the tool to do that. Right. Or or the insights, and it's just like that's not the actual tool. Right. Right. You need the and data. So some orgs have that IT group that actually, if you can build a bridge with them, will be enormously helpful. Some orgs are there's no IT or like you know one or two people that's like the lone wolf, gender neutral lone wolf, like doing it all. And, and, you know, hanging out half the day on Stack Overflow and just teaching themselves Python and X, Y, and Z. And just, you know, it, it, it's sort of, there's a little bit of that ad ops ethos of just make it happen. But it put, puts you in a, in a, 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 when you don't have that, it puts you in a tougher place to, to begin to produce agile and accurate analytics. Right. Interesting. Interesting way to put it. You know, the one, the one analogy I've used is, is the reports as a security blanket. Right. This idea that if I have a report on it, right, you know, I look at page one, but I've got the we should put a tracking pixel on it. Is it again? Viewable. Yeah. We should put a tracking pixel on it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, you know, that would be great. Right. Like how many. Oh, actually, I, I've done this. And again, I, I, I don't recommend this for everyone. I had a way of getting through this. But like, first of all, I would create reports and. I would find out that I was doing something wrong on it and you wait to see how long it is before someone even saw that it was wrong, right? Or yeah. it couldn't be opened, right? Like that's a good way to test whether the report's actually being opened. Yeah. I don't recommend that to anyone. I, I lived in a day of the Wild West where I could get away with, with shit like that. But I do think that there is a part though that for everything we were talking about, this kind of pressure to create the reports, I still feel that... As a career progression, as a thing that you can do for yourself is, again, you have this unique perspective on the business. And if you can get, and Ben used kind of the words of well-groomed, clean data, data you trust, start building that report. And and the line that I use, uh, some of you heard me on the soapbox on this is, answer a question your boss doesn't have time to ask, right? is a great way to sit there and suddenly shine a light on you as someone that can really add value to the company. And, and that's because, and I, I'll tell you where it came from. It was, it was a speed mentoring event that uh, Joanna Bloor had put together. And I had seven minutes to talk and it was like seven data analysts from one company, sorry, three data analysts from the same company, one after each other. And they were all asking me the same question of like, how do I stand out? against the rest of the group. And I grabbed them all together. I said, do you all work on different clients? Do you all work on different verticals? And they're like, this is how we're different. I'm like, there you go. All three of you go in your own direction. And if you're working on three different clients, you know, three clients, look at the difference. What's going on with them? What's the performance difference? How are things different? And your boss doesn't think of it that way, but you can. And you can start to surface that. And then you create that report and, you know, to, to my sending a report that doesn't work, the opposite of that is creating the report that no one's asking for, but you think is insightful and will grow to be insightful. 
And along the way, and again, don't recommend my tactics, but what I did with my boss is I stopped sending the report after like four or five weeks, just stop sending the report. And next thing yeah. you know, I got like, did you miss the report or did I miss it? Did I not get it? And that told me they were looking at it, right? That told me, that gave me that signal to sit there and go like, oh, you are interested. How about this? Instead of the next report, let's do a meeting and again, talk about the journey that we're on so I could align it before I was just producing a useless report, right? So there's that checkpoint yes. along the way. Do you build that in, Ben? Like, again, I'm put you on the spot. In, in your practice and what you do, as you're working with your clients, do you, whether mentally or with them, set kind of checkpoints of like, we're here. We want to get to there, but we're here and let's keep that kind of method. Does that work? Or do people just kind of go like, let's cut to the, the punchline and you work separately from that? How does it work with elasticity? Are, are you talking about from a project management perspective or yeah, sort of data yeah. security perspective? Probably for more from a project management. I think that's probably... Yeah, yeah. I would say that over the years, we've gotten better at project management, and now we don't suck massively. <laughs> but I would say that... We, Measurement we, term. We, we, we'll, we'll just say candidly, we've invested a lot in getting better at project management. I would not say we're awesome at that. But yes, we, we do. You know, we, we've built in a lot more sort of just routine kind of readouts to, to clients. Some of that's an email. Some of those are sort of checkpoints midpoints, things like that, you know, candidly, again, like having a proper project manager, because, you know, as, as a founder, that that's, that's hard to do, has made an, a universe of different. But yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, in terms of the, you know, the data maturity side of that question, like, I think that's, that's its own kind of different conversation where, you, you know, nobody, nobody really wants to hear the million dollar you know, idea, right? <laughs> what they want to hear is like, well, how can we make an investment and see a return on it in 90 days or less? And especially in this climate. And so, you know, that's more an interesting conversation where, you know, these are not like little tweaks. They're going to be a little bit of effort, but here's sort of the implications of it and, and what you live and see in the day to day and how that will change. That that's, you know, that, that happens either with a sort of senior stakeholder who who's receptive to having that because they're kind of paid to be strategic, right? Or somebody in the trenches who's just dying to have that question because they love it and they care, right? And they see all sorts of stuff going around out there and they want to like, you know, kind of a sounding board on, on the, the ideas that they've got. And maybe sometimes sort of also like a strategy on like, I know my org's not going to go for this, but they might go for that, right? So like, like what can we put together on that? There, are you again? I think about the the journey with the data and to what what you're saying there, and it just kind of prompted the idea. Like, so for example, right now I'm trying to not only figure out video from a monetization perspective. Like, am I making as much money from our video investment as I can? That actually ranges from: Do I even know? How often I'm serving the video, right? How much, how many vast errors, how many, uh, that part of it to even like, right? Cove says one number, Google Annex says another number, Google Ad Manager says another number. Awesome, right? But like, I don't need to have that be, you know, part of the end result that I'm showing to my CDO where I, 
you know, there's a part where creating that data and working the underpinnings of it is one journey. The other journey is, well, you know what? I'm pretty sure I'm probably not counting everything right or doing everything right in terms of delivery, but here's where I'm at. So let's work with this data. You know, so in other words, it's building the bridges from both sides and trying to keep those two things in going. Because again, the underlying here is being convincing with data. I cannot inform my business, you know, the C-suite that I'm not even sure our player is configured properly uh, or I work with what I know is X. Meanwhile, I'm looking at that data and going the other direction and going, IT, I think we've got a problem, right? How do, you, how do you navigate that kind of building the bridge from both sides? Yeah, I mean, there's two sides. There. One is sort of the, the conversational side with, you know, a leader, whether that's an IT leader or a business leader. Because again, like, you know, those folks are, are interested in having very, very focused conversations, right? Like give me a very, you know, properly formed problem. Give me either your prescription for a solution or at least a couple of solutions that you recommend that I like sort through and be ready to like, you know, work through some of the, you know, the operant dynamics. So your, your example is a great one, right? Like I've got, you know, potentially a significant drop off I'm seeing here why. All right, well, like here's a number of points. Look at how they sort of change over time or from step to step. And and this is this is my diagnosis. I've had this conversation. And it, it, that, that packaging is is kind of you know the necessary work you need to put in if you want to like again sort of you know have a second conversation with them and not be like kind of relegated to like I don't want to talk to this person anymore. But that that's that's definitely time well spent. You know, in terms of the sort of data side of things, I think that's, you know, the, the desire is, of course, to just dump a lot of data in there and and work with it. it. You know, depending on what you've got available to you, that that may or may not be an enormously feasible option, right? Like, if you're given access to Data Studio and BigQuery and you've got it and you can do stuff with it, you might be halfway there, but you might not. And so, you know... We work with a lot of technology, but I, I do think that like 99% of what we, we do, you can do it in Excel, right? But the trick is to sort of be thoughtful in the data you've collected and thoughtful in your presentation of it. It just, you know, it's it's probably the bluntest instrument in the toolbox, but, <laughs> but it's really about the ideas, not necessarily about the, the, the huge infrastructure behind it. Yeah, yeah. Good, good point. So Matt's asking about from the politics side of it, how do you deal with preparing insights and having the leader pull only the stat that makes them look good, doesn't highlight a business concern? Yeah, well, right. Um, I'd, be, I'd be the more of the stats that make them look good. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Short term, all short term, all short term. All of you should have your own report is how important, you know, how much money do I make doing what I do and what are the factors that go into me keeping making that or making more? And that person should be inserted in there in terms of that. Look, you know, I, I can actually remember the old days of reporting page views, right? And giving that monthly report out to the various sites I worked with. And it was like a record number of page views. And they were like, oh, man, we're going to do a press release and let's get this out there. And I was like, you know, it's going to go down next month, right? <laughs> like, what's the... 
the press release is that every single month we're growing. That's kind of interesting. But like to sit there and we had a spike in August because something happened in your market. Like there was a part of them, of course, going, Rob, you know, again, you're being that data asshole. Like we just want the press release. We need to get the market talking. Then, you know, they're by then, at that point, they're living by the sword, dying by the sword. Yeah. Your role is to be the integrity, right? Like, I think that's the part that lasts for your role yep. is yep. being the one that's yeah. like, I'm most likely, I'm going to speak truth. Actually, what was the term I came up with? Data to power. I want to be the data to power guy who sits there and says, here's what the data says. You spin it all you want. But when they come back to me for the data, this is what I am. I love yeah. data to power. So I, I, I would also add to that, that like, if you've got not so good news, Tossing that over an email probably is a high-risk move that much better to like organize a meeting for us to talk about it with a couple other people in the room, maybe even HR, who knows? Yeah. Heavy objects away from many people. But like that allows allows folks to socialize it, debate it, come at it from different points of view, even if it's not like particularly like rosy news. It it's you know, you're not the bearer of bad news you are actually stimulating a productive conversation in your company, which is entirely different than like, what the fuck showed up in my inbox at seven in the morning, starting my day off on a terrible note, right? Like, I, yeah. I mean, broadly speaking, I think, you know, the, the, the art of socialize, of, of conversational analytics is, is just that. There's, I've been in companies where they talk, they have the same freaking meeting over and over again. And I'm like, if that's the case, it probably doesn't need to be a meeting. And then there's other things where like reports get shot around back and forth and people are thinking and doing all sorts of stuff and no one ever gets together. And, you know, there, there, there's a real sweet spot on figuring out like when those interactions and decision-making process as a group need to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the other thing too, is if you are going to present data that might not be good for, you know, it's back to the storyteller thing, which is, you know, I, I, here's my bad analogy for the moment, but, you know, your baby's ugly, right? But we, <laughs> and we've accepted it. And now we can dress it up nicer. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And you have to give those kind of next steps of, okay, we saw a drop here. We think this is why. Here's what we think we can do over the next few months to get it there. So you don't become the no guy or the, the ops Debbie Downer guy who just provides the data. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's obviously, and this is kind of my joke around it. Like the, the people that are probably on this call and people who wind up in operations roles. Why did we do what we do? Is because we didn't want to go into sales, right? Here's, here's the punchline. Everyone's in sales. You have to sell whatever you do, right? Or otherwise, you won't continue to do that. That being said, right? There's, you know, like just off that one little piece, Matt, that you said, right? That product failed. That product failed. Like it just died. It just did not do well. How awesome is it that we figured it out as quickly as we did? Because I bet you the next time we do it, we could build off that failure. Right? So now I'm not trying to be Mr. You know, sunshine around that, but just sitting there going like, hey, you know, hey, we're well, and, and again, I, you know, you can hear me doing this, right? With a little bit of little bit of facetiousness underneath it, right? Which is, well, as a data-driven company, right? That isn't a failure. We figured it out that it failed, right? So now we know better, right? Which is not what anyone else was thinking before that. They were like, oh my God, we thought this was going to be a million dollar idea. 
Yeah. Well, it turned out not to be. Awesome is that, that we now know that. Not everyone will buy it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's lots of those those things in our industry, right? I mean, this is one of the things where it really is industry specific. Like we've got a bazillion ad units, like still, <laughs> right? right? Now we have a bazillion like demand partners, right? We've got like probably going away, but a lot of data partners, but like distribution partners, right? If, especially if you work in video, those, that video is getting pushed out to all sorts of places. And, you know, you know, a, those decisions on like what's working, what's not, and do I need to ramp up, ramp down or kill, right? Is somebody taking a valuable seat, right? Like I'm, yeah. you know, I signed you up as a partner and, and somebody who's knocking on my door, I probably have made the decision that I've got like, you know, eight partners or something like that. Right. And I'm going to prune out the weak members of the flock, but you know, those are, those are tough decisions. Maybe they're, you're cutting ties to somebody you like, but, but you need the data and the stomach to do it. Well, I'm going to use your own tactic on you. And I'm going to say, well, Ben, I take a step back from that. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I would say that one of the toughest conversations for all of us to have and to wrap our heads around is that not every impression is special and even perhaps even worthy of being served. I hate to be quite so, uh, you know, so controversial with that. But the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, we can add ads to an infinite amount. And there is a, there is a tie to this that not only lives in, you know, the, you know, uh, within organizations of like, oh, I can't believe that, you know, IAS or double verify that we lose 10% of our impressions to that, to this, to that, and to whatever. And you're kind of like, you know, to how do we, let's invest in all the data, third-party data or all this stuff to make that one impression on that one page worth something when maybe you got to look at the whole product of what you're doing and, and start to do it that way. And I, I always find it an interesting, it's almost like a maturity index across media companies. And by the way, just as a tangent on that, we should talk about that separately of like ways to help people understand where they are in their data-driven, you know, model. But the idea that like fight for every single impression to monetize it when maybe getting rid of it helping the bottom line might therefore be the right approach to it uh, is one that you have to have alignment all the way up. Those aren't all your impressions to love and care for. Cut them off if they're just not worth it. And that, that to me is a maturity level that you have to have as a company and you can help be that person, but you have to line up your data to help support that. And you have to be able to. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. No, I remember, my days at about where there's a, certainly a group of people who rena- remain unnamed who were like, we're getting rid of all display ads. We're just going to run ad sets. And I was like, that is a financially terrible decision. And, and what we did after blooding each other's noses on based on opinion is we, we ran a whole bunch of AB tests, all sorts of different pages with different, you know, markets behind them. So we would do it in like religion, right? Like nobody's buying religion. About had a big religion channel. And then we do it in, you know, places like health. And we do it in like, you know, home garden, beauty and stuff like that. And we, we, we proved out that, you know, there's, 
there's lots of different ways of slicing that that's revenue optimized, but like, you know, you're right. Like, it's not like a whole one size fits all. It's not a take it or leave it. You know, these things are dynamic. What was really good about a year ago, tastes shift, the pages themselves shift like that. Right. That's, that's, that's a conversation with, with groups on things you don't own, but you're, but you're not doing your job if you don't have that conversation. Dan, I want to hit your question in a second, but there's one one part to that. Oh, shoot, it just knocked it out of my head. But there's a there's a piece of that of that I just say I see in the programmatic world where some of the roles are almost that of a stockbroker mm-hmm. in the company, mm-hmm. and sometimes when I talk with with someone in a programmatic role, I almost feel like they're disconnected from the rest of the business because you don't have to look at the website to just sit there, pull the data, see if there's changes, try to optimize those changes and try to move that. And again, some of my underlying reason for doing a session on how to be convincing with data is thinking about career paths. And to me, if you want to be a stockbroker in media, in the ad tech space, there is a role for you. Mm-hmm. But to me, the thing that, again, Ben, you saw, and of course, we're not great examples because we didn't stay within our media companies. We went and built different things here. But the idea of you growing your role is how to grow the business. And I think, Ben, to your point, right, an operations-driven company, you're looking at the whole picture and you're looking at it beyond, ooh, I got a $1.32 up to $1.40, that's success. I want a dollar thirty-two to get up to two to four to five and whatever, like the magnitude level. And the magnitude level means you've got to step back and you have to turn the back. Yeah. And it sounds like we've got traffickers in our midst. I hear some some young No, that, that's my my four and your six year old not listening to me and going to another county like I asked <laughs> Dude, it's twenty twenty. It's okay. It's okay. There'll be there'll be traffic. So real. I do want to get to Dan's question, though, about really that, that you know, whether people have a print or linear, you know, legacy part of their business and their ability to understand the data. And Dan, I don't know if you want to add more nuance, but this is something I think a little bit more of an interactive. I'll just say one thing before you say anything else. Ben, why don't you put those links in that you you mentioned that might be okay. resources? Put those in. We're going to go right up to one o'clock, but then I'm going to, I have to shut down. Yeah. So there's a part there. I want Dan's, Dan's question, which I think is a great spot to left. I hit all my little anecdotal stuff. So Dan, do you want to add any nuance to that question? Or did I nail it? Uh, no, I think you, you, you got the core of it. I think the one thing I would say is, is particularly for, you know, what I see is the challenge is getting executives who think in sort of circulation or th- think in gross rating points, getting them to think about digital as a whole bunch of smaller segments all put together. And they're, like you said, there's, there's, val- there's value in much of that, but there's also some parts that have absolutely no value. And getting them to recognize that as a, as a, is a really big challenge. I'm wondering if other folks see that that same or similar type of challenge with their with their audience with their their executive audiences. Who else has that struggle? Well, Matt, um, you can go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, I've been through that before. I've worked for print businesses, and you know, 
TV broadcasts, linear businesses. I don't even know if it's that they, they, they don't understand the digital data differently. I think it's they don't understand the business, right? And they're always... And listen, I've, I've tried to do this myself. Like I, I remember doing this with the audio. I was like, how is audio like digital? And then I was like, actually, it's nothing like digital. It's got its own different set of commercial break patterns and, and things like that and technologies and stuff like that. It's like, it's, it's opening up a window with them to educate them. Harry's on here. Me and Harry used to work at another company that was a lot of socially branded content type stuff. And we did a presentation that was like demystifying programmatic. And we went super high level, right? Left-handed tennis player from Ohio. One impression, buying impression by impression versus buying, you know, spots and dots, two million impressions somewhere. And opening up that dialogue got them to go, wow, this is different. You have a lot of people in print who are afraid that the medium is dying. So the more you can make them feel comfortable learning digital, the more open-minded that they're going to be. But it is tough, especially for the executive side. You know, one time I was asked to solve the discrepancy problem in the industry. That I was, remember that. I remember did you? No. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I responded and said that they would put a 40-foot statue of me and Brian Park. That was my exact words. And that's because we had a guy who had been the number two guy in a very large music magazine, and I will leave it at that, who didn't have a computer in his office, who didn't understand it. Eventually, he brought in the former CEO of, of Yahoo to another board meeting that I was at. That guy said, yep, Matt's right. And then he said, Matt, you can leave the room now. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to believe you. <laughs> and you, you're going to feel lost. And one of the things I found is like reaching across the aisle and saying, hey, let me just give you the basics. And it starts to do that, right? Yeah. Let's be convincing with data, right? It's, yeah, yeah. Again, you might have to, to, you can't start with vast... 301 errors. You start with like what even is the concept of a user and, and how even that's obscured and, and stuff like that. I mean, that. the, the explain it to me like a five-year-old type yeah. of stuff. You know, when I do that, I explain it like it's I'm explaining it to my dad who, you know, still wants to use AOL, right? <laughs> from there. Just, you know, all the discrepant impressions over time. I've actually been the guy collecting all those. <laughs> I actually have them stored up. And when I decide to unleash them, believe me, just be aware of what I'm going to be able to do with all those discrepant impressions. You know, I think Ben, we, we hit a lot of different points. I'm kind of looking at, you know, I still love my truism, if you will, of answer a question your boss has no time to ask. You know, again, I, I hope this adds value to everyone that's that's been listening in. Is is again listening to the nuance of this, but the the fact that everyone has that kind of unique role, and just building it up, and then it just kind of takes some more like muscle stamina. It's it really is exercise, right? To to get there and to get on that kind of journey to get the company to start to actually be, be data driven. You can in an operations role be that change agent that gets you there. It just may yeah. not be the first pass, second pass, or whatever. I, I would argue that's increasingly not optional too. That uh, you know, as the world changes, as you know, technology becomes more and more powerful, more and more cheap. You know, the idea that you know somebody else handles analytics, and you know, I do what I do, but I keep my head down, keep my mouth shut. I, you know, I, I worry about the career prospects of that that headset, and that you know, I think there's there's a lot of you know, we, we may not have signed up to be analysts, but I think having that vocabulary 
and a certain amount of kind of understanding of, you know, the implications of what we're saying and doing served us well in the today and the tomorrow. The links I put in there for people that probably don't spend a lot of time, you know, working with this stuff. And if they're like, well, what can I do with a little bit of investment to like level up a notch or two that are free? The the first two links are on LinkedIn. I think one's an hour, the other one's six hours, something like that. And check them out. They're both good. And the last one is the New York City database meetup, which is definitely not above anybody's heads. It's almost 8,000 people, probably about 150 people show up to any given meetup. And they always get interesting people. And it's always interesting topics. And it's, you know, database is front and center, but it's, again, sort of thinking about like an interesting topic, discussing it, exploring it, unpacking it, and sign up and go to a couple of those probably be, again, sort of time well spent. Yeah. I'll just, just building off that as, a, as kind of maybe a last thought, which is these, these are also conversations to your point that like sharing knowledge, sharing the information, talking about how you're approaching it, successes that you have is key. And again, there's, there's a lot of different places to do that between what I do to something like that particular meetup to whatever of, of kind of sharing what works. You know, I've hosted some events in the past of kind of like a show me your yield report and I'll, you know, show me yours and I'll show you mine. (laughs) Right. Type of type of thing, which you got to be careful, right. With getting into proprietary information, but there is a part where, you know, again, I asked, I asked someone to create a a sell through report for me and they came out with something and I I just was looking at it going like, it's not where I would have started. Right. But I have to process it and think about why they're taking that approach. And out of that comes, well, you know, I think down the road with this. So, you know, to the extent that we can kind of kind of share, you know, it it certainly helps to 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 bring these things up, bubble them up, and guess what? You're going to find out that there are hundreds, if not thousands, of people who are trying to solve the same problem, and and to do that. So, Ben, thank you for uh, for the time. Again, I hope. <laughs> Rob, thank you. This has been a lot of fun. And we've got we've got Matt sending paper. I, I I've never seen that before, so we'll go with that. But anyway, I hope I hope everyone got value out of this. If there's anything I could have done better to make it what you were expecting or whatever, I always love that feedback. Ben, I hope we can actually do this again. I think we started something, and we can drill into certain areas with a little bit more depth. And I hope everyone has a great Friday. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks so much. Thanks, Thanks everyone. everybody. Thanks to Ben for that conversation. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the podcast and please create an account on Beeler.tech to keep up on all the industry-leading shenanigans we're putting together. And if you listen this far, thanks, Mom. I love you. Oh, and thanks to any of Ben's family members who also stuck through all this industry-related conversation. Beeler out.